here we go again, Joanna. Indeed. We've got another one for you guys. Another episode of Stranger Than. I'm Nate. I'm Joanna. And here we go. Today, we will be talking about the, I guess, psychological phenomenon known as folie à deux. Which literally translates to the madness of two. It's also known as Le Sigue Falre Syndrome for the two men who first put the idea into words. Also, when there's more than two people involved, they might say folie à trois or folie à quatre or folie en famille, which is basically like a whole family experiencing the disorder. The basic thing is it's when there are two or more people who share delusional beliefs which can be hallucinations, depending upon the number of people, as Joanna said, depends upon what the, I guess, suffix of it is. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine up to a point it could get pushed up to the status of mass hysteria. Yeah, I'm sure it's there's traits that go across both diagnoses. And I'm not sure exactly what that number is. <laughs> Well, it can get pretty big with mass hysteria. Oh, yeah. Well, mass... <laughs> yeah, I just don't know exactly the number when it goes from folie à whatever to right, mass what, hysteria. Right, what the, the threshold is between that and mass hysteria. And I actually couldn't find it. I looked, and there was no real... I guess there's no real hard and fast rule about it. Also, the mass hysteria, the, the folie adieu or whatever, tends to be a group of isolated people. Yeah, isolated. People spending a lot of time together, whereas mass hysteria is just like lots of fucking people. In, just randomly, yeah. without any sort of contact. That's true, yes. So As probably you, that's like a determ determining factor is the I isolation. Would, I'd say that's probably the case and the actual each individual knowing the other. As you said, this occurs when people are isolated. Maybe it's because they live deep in the country. Maybe it's they're just shut-ins. It doesn't really matter. Whatever the case, there's not much contact with other quote-unquote people. The basic way it works is that during a psychotic episode, a person comes up with an idea. This idea is just a delusion, but like any good delusion, the person just holds on to it. As their episode continues, they end up getting other people to believe what they believe. Not necessarily... They're not trying to necessarily. It's just sort of a thing that happens. The person having the psychotic episode is known as the folie imposé or primary. And those caught up in the delusion are called folie simultané or secondary or associate. An example of this I made up would be one person thinks that there are people outside watching the house they're in. This is the primary and they keep checking the windows, peeking through the blinds, that sort of shit, trying to catch whoever's watching them. After a little while of doing this, they start believing that they see shady-looking people outside, and they call this to the attention of other people in the room. The primary gets the other person, or people, all worked up about the house being watched, and the other person now believes the delusion. This makes the other person the secondary. Most cases of folie à deux are interfamilial. I suspect this to be the case because families are usually pretty close-knit units, and they can isolate themselves fairly easily from others. And the biggest instant instances, I believe, are husband and wife. Yeah. Although it does seem to affect women more than men. 
there's lots and lots of cases where it's too close uh, girlfriends or sisters. Yeah, yeah, especially twins. In nearly all cases, once the individuals are separated, only the prior only the primary requires medication or therapy to get over the delusion. The secondary can normally just accept reason, though it can take some time. When drugs are required, it is normal to prescribe antipsychotics to help control the hallucinations of the delusion, whether they're audio or visual or, you know, both, and then tranquilizers and and antidepressants as needed. So basically the primary person almost always has diagnosed mental health problems. Yes. Whereas the secondary person may not have any mental problems at all, but just gets caught up, just gets basically. caught up in it and starts being as delusional as the primary person. But once separated, they don't require a whole lot of aftercare. No, they, they mostly they, they just told. need to be separated. And like in my example, they can be taken away and be like, dude, there's no one in the fucking trees. There's there's no one out there. It's just it's just your imagination. And they'd be like, oh, you're right. That's always like that. Every time I look out there, oh, you're right. What the hell was I thinking? They just need to be separated from the person and the environment in which they are in with that person, I guess. Yeah. So delusions. Let's talk a little bit about delusions. They are not a virus. They're not a bacteria. They're not a microorganism or anything of that nature. A delusion is a belief held despite its being contradicted by accepted reality and rationality. This seems like a pretty broad definition that could be applied to many things that millions of people hold dear. Is the only reason that religions aren't considered delusions because of how many people believe in them? I don't know. Probably. I'd say it's there's kind of the same thing with a cult. You stop being viewed as a cult once you reach a certain amount of followers, and then you get to be, you know, your own religion. Right. Most of the delusions people suffer revolve around themselves. Common delusions are things like thinking a partner is cheating, despite them not cheating, thinking a celebrity is in love with them, and many other things. Delusions of grandeur is a common one. Also delusions of persecution. Delusions of persecution, that's another common one. Oftentimes, you get paranoia with these delusions. They're split into four main categories. Bizarre, non-bizarre, mood congruent, and mood neutral. Bizarre and non-bizarre are pretty straightforward. A delusion of aliens surveilling the house is much more bizarre than a delusion of the police watching the house. In my made-up example, they right. thought it was aliens. That's pretty out there. But the police, though unlikely is significantly more likely than aliens. Mood congruent and neutral delusions refer to when the delusions occur. Mood neutral delusions persist regardless of the person's mood, while mood congruent ones occur only when the person is having an episode of whatever they suffer from. So in the case of someone who suffers from depression, it's when they're depressed is when they're going to suffer the delusions. While the first one is they're just, it's just always going, it's just always raring to go. Either of these categories can be either bizarre or non-bizarre. Let's talk about some cases. All right. Do you want to hear about the first case? Let's hear about the very first case. The 19th century is when we find the first reported case of Foley Adu. It involved a couple named Margaret and Michael. I don't think those were their real names. They were a married couple and both were 34 years of age. They had a shared delusion that certain people they knew were persecuting them mm. and they were persecuting them in a very bizarre and specific manner. Or maybe this would be classified as non-bizarre. 
They believed that people were coming into their house and spreading around dust and fluff and wearing their shoes. They claimed their shoes were abnormally worn down. So somebody obviously was coming in there and wearing their shoes. Yeah. And causing them to wear down. Wow. Quicker than normal. And then, yeah, like fucking dust, dust in this house. <laughs> the dust is everywhere. The dust and the worn down shoes. And the fluff. Clearly, this is people coming in here and bringing this dust and fluff and wearing our shoes. Do you know where these people lived? Nope. Not a whole lot on it other than this Did was their delusion. It doesn't say who the, the primary was, but I'm just going to guess it was the wife. Right, just because... because statistically, that tends to be what happens. Yes, yeah. Yeah, dust and fluff. There was no convincing them otherwise. Well, I'll be damned. I've got one here that is also in that same century, though towards the end of it. This was reported in the Edinburgh Medical Journal, Volume 3. It tells a story that took place in 1896. Volume 3. Wow, that's like early in the day. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how many volumes there are now. <laughs> I don't know. I actually didn't I didn't look it up. Online it's probably got just hella Roman numerals. Oh yeah. December 3rd of that year, a man and his wife were both admitted to Woodley Asylum together. He had moved to Canada in 1888, gotten his hands on a drapery shot and then got his wife out there. This was the town of Hamilton, which is in Ontario. One day, he went out of town on business. While out of town, he began to hear of several murders that occurred in Hamilton. People were telling him that Hamilton was like the Wild West in this crazy, I mean, the Wild East, I guess, in this particular case, <laughs> and this, like, crazy-ass town. He hadn't seen it, but he just started hearing about it. It didn't really set, sit well with him because, you know, he's living there and he just moved his wife out there. So he decided to not tell his wife. Okay. Because, you know, why upset the lady? He was just going to keep a watchful eye out. He'd protect her. No worries. Comes back from his business trip, whatever. The man's next door neighbor was this old woman who lived alone. And behind both of the houses was a hall for meetings and whatnot. The IOF, or Independent Order of Foresters, held their meetings there. The IOF runs under the name Foresters Financial, and they do insurance and other financial stuff. They're still a company today. Hmm. I thought they would have something more to do with forestry. I know, me too. But no, not, not a whole hell of a lot. Okay. It's just a snappy title, snappy name. After some time, he noticed a strange occurrence. Yes, he had remained vigilant. He'd seen the deacon of the local church he attended enter his next-door neighbor's house, and he had not seen him leave. Really? Well, you know, didn't the guy ever go to use the bathroom or something i mean is he just standing there like 24 7 at his fucking window i guess so <laughs> i mean he's remaining he's he's taking vigilance very seriously you see the drapery they lived above the drapery shop mm -hmm. so he i guess could always just be watching what's going on because he was either upstairs at his house or downstairs at the shop right or doing sewing drapes or whatever the fuck you do at a drapery shop so basically he was watching the deacon go in something attract you know distracted him for a couple of minutes and probably that's when the deacon left but in his mind 
he went in and never came out. Well, later that night, he heard a strange sound, quote, as of someone falling, unquote. And he opened his window to see what the fuck. There, in the courtyard, stood two cops. That, when questioned, said, said that they couldn't find the deacon and that he'd been murdered. There was no corpse, but these cops knew the deacon had been murdered. They just knew. They just knew it. After that went down, a few young men went to a meeting at the Forester's Hall, and they were never seen again. Oh, okay. This man then had a vision, showing him that his neighbor, the old lady, and some accomplices were murdering people and dissolving the corpses in acid. Wow. The dissolved body goo was dumped down drains, and the heads, which would not dissolve, were packed in boxes and sent off by stagecoach. A few days passed after this revelation, and this time when laying on their bed, both he and his wife heard people outside their room talking about how they were going to kill them. Is this... Has he still not said anything to his wife? Still, had, until now? Yeah, still hasn't said anything point. to his wife. So now she... She hears people outside the room talking about killing them. That's right. All right. They didn't sleep well that night, and the next day they discreetly shut down their shop, left the keys with a friend in the area, and left for New York. Unfortunately, the people out to get them had followed and were in cahoots with the New York hotel staff who drugged their coffee. They went to a hotel in New York. This is a vast-reaching plot. Oh, man. The man and his wife are referred to Mr. and Mrs. Mull. It's M apostrophe L. Mull. Mull. <laughs> they somehow... Mull. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They somehow detected that the coffee was poisoned and spent the night out on the city before hopping a ship to Glasgow, Scotland. They were from Scotland originally. They thought they were finally free until their cabin was attacked and they had to barricade it to keep the assailants out. This is on the ship going over to Glasgow. Oh man, they still can't even get away then. Can't huh? get a break. They ended up making friends with the captain who had advised them upon hearing the story that sticking to their cabin was a good idea. He was probably like, <laughs> you like, fucking yeah, you, whack you jobs. You guys inside, just stay please. inside. Leave me the fuck alone. In fact, don't come out for the rest of the journey. Glasgow was no different. The people trying to get them were still following them. This is when they finally go to the police, who in turn tell them to go to the asylum where they would be safe. Oh, that's some good thinking on their part. Yeah, good job, officer. His wife gave pretty much the same story with the exception of not knowing the bit that happened when her husband was on his trip. She basically saw him acting all agitated and talking to himself and shit, and then she knew something was wrong but didn't know what. Once you heard the people outside the room, that's when she, quote-unquote, knew they were in danger. Once separated, his Mrs. Mole stabilized. The asylum kept them apart for their entire stay, and there was no mention of what happened after. So that was some something else there. They went from Canada to New York to Scotland, only to finally get some assistance. Probably what they needed. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely what they needed. <laughs> so was the guy, like, hospitalized longer? Does it it say? didn't say. It didn't say. I didn't have any information. I tried to find more information, but the name is assumed. Mm -hmm. I did read it directly from an article, but the article didn't go into detail after the fact. Wow. That's some hardcore persecution going on. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. We mentioned Slender Man in our Tulpa episode, I believe. That's right. I think you talked about it because I actually forgot that we talked about it. So Yeah, it was just at the end and it was only briefly. Well, the case involving the 12-year-old girls who tried to murder their friend because of Slender Man has actually been argued as a case of fully ado. Or, yeah, it would be fully ado in this case. It's... I almost said folie toi because there was three girls, but one of them was the victim. So yeah, one she wasn't. Of... She wasn't in on the whole. <laughs> no, no, she wasn't. She wasn't in on it at all. Yeah. Uh, so when they separated the girls, one was not crazy anymore. That's right. One of them was diagnosed as schizophrenic, and had her father, I believe, was schizophrenic too. Oh. And uh, there was like another family member who had diagnosed mental illness. Okay. So, so it was in the family already. Right. And so the other one, did they, do you know if she was diagnosed with anything or? Well, she was diagnosed with the delusional disorder of folia due because of. Oh, yeah. I see. So that's what they, that's actually what they landed on there. Exactly. So Morgan, Morgan Geyser was the one who was the primary person in that situation and who would be diagnosed as schizophrenic. And the one who got caught up in her delusion and began to share it as well. Her name is Anissa Ware. Yeah, it was just last October, I believe, that they were finally sentenced. Probably so. Yeah, it was very recent. The crime committed against their friend, her name is Peyton Lutner, but she goes by Bella. That occurred on June 5th, 2014. Just a quick background on Slenderman. He's a fictional thing that was created by this teacher. Yeah, it's a creepypasta thing. It was. Yeah, I mean, it was. Create a scary story, like right, a scary myth or right. something. Right. It was some kind of contest where you were supposed to create something scary using Photoshop and then try and pass it on off in online forums as real. I think it was the something awful forum. It, it was the on. something awful forum. You're right. Yes. People on the web really liked it, though. And so it took off and became a thing with everyone like, oh, yeah, Slender Man. Oh, it's a great story. It's terrifying. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a really creepy story. There are some video games that are actually pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. There is a video. There is a couple of video games made about it. And they made a movie I heard is just shit. I haven't seen it myself. I haven't seen it either. These three girls that were involved in the incident, they were like 12 years old. Yeah, that shit was crazy. Mm-hmm. You don't expect that out of children. Yeah, pretty shocking. Yeah. The night before, on June 4th, 2014, they were celebrating Morgan's birthday. They went roller skating and then had a slumber party at Morgan's house. The following morning, they started off the day doing some role playing, which was pretty common for them. They were kind of outcasts in their peer group. Oh, right. So they're like doing Dungeons and Dragons and shit like right. that. Right. They had a very heavy like fantasy play life. Right. That just kind of basically involved the three of them, whereas a lot of other kids might be involved in group activities. Sports like or yeah. dance or whatever. Whatever. These three just kind of lived in a fantasy world. 
all on their own. Again, they're 12. They are 12. And that's not all that unusual for some kids, you know. There is always like that pair of best friends and they only hang out with each other and yeah. what have you. Yeah. Still nothing I would call abnormal. No. However, Morgan and Anissa had on their own, apart from Bella, been coming up with a very abnormal plan for quite some time. Murder is definitely abnormal. Yes. And not murder for what would I guess be seen as like a typical motive when girls usually kill each other like that or try to kill someone else like that. It's usually like motivated by jealousy. Yes. And, or love. Yeah. And, uh, or hate. Yeah. All very, <laughs> all three things that are very, very love close that, to one uh, another. Expresses itself in hate. Through jealousy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But this wasn't because, Bella had talked to some guy that one of them liked or everyone liked her more and they really resented that. This was because Morgan and eventually Anissa, through Morgan, began to have the delusion that if they sacrificed Bella in the name of the Slender Man, that they would get to go to his mansion in the forest and live with him forever and i guess that seemed like an awesome thing yeah probably wouldn't have to clean their room if they live with slender man no vegetables for them <laughs> never have a bedtime don't have to bathe at all don't have to brush their teeth man 12 year old heaven yeah i would say that's more like 12 year old boy heaven but i don't know that's just my perspective on it <laughs> regardless gross <laughs> definitely and oh i don't know why you'd want to live with slender man he's really scary looking right like, technology doesn't work around him so you, your phone would always be fizzing out like i don't get what's so great about him some of the pictures i think he looks kind of like jack skellington and i could like dig maybe uh living at jack's place yeah like that would be kind of like oh like all these off the wall things like you know like god damn it jack's trying to be santa claus again Looks a little bit like the silence from Doctor Who. I don't know. You probably don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't. It's the know one where they is. mark the, the the they mark their arms with like the lines every time they see him, and then they forget about him mm. when they don't see him when they're not looking at him. I'll have to look some of those episodes up. Sounds yeah. intriguing. It's pretty good. After their role playing, the three of them set off for the park. They live in uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin. Bella leads the way. And Morgan and Anissa kind of fall behind. Because they have decided that this is the time that they are going to put their plan into action. I guess originally they were going to do it during the sleepover. Ah, uh, but something happened. But something happened. I don't know. Maybe they just had a really good time roller skating or just having so much fun it was like oh you know i don't feel like ending it right they yet. forgot yeah like oh yeah i forgot <laughs> morgan had a steak knife tucked into her jacket which she kind of like i'm guessing in my mind she kind of like casually like opens up her jacket and like hey anissa right i got it 
Like gives a knowing nod. Mm-hmm. Time for shit to go down. Anissa suggests that maybe the three of them should play hide and seek. And they gather at the edge of the woods in the park. So I guess there's a pretty heavily wooded area. Probably. Wisconsin is a fairly wooded mm-hmm. place. There's a lot of wilderness there. It's still probably cold as fuck in June. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it wasn't like overly hot. No. I think it is one of those places, though, that maybe get does get some hot summers. That's true. Maybe it was either still cold in, in June or it was... Hotter than goddamn hell. (laughs) Yeah. Morgan begins to stab Bella. She stabs her a total of 19 times. In her arms, in her leg, in her chest. Just fucking awful. With a steak knife. With a steak knife. I can't even imagine. No. Once she had finished, Bella was still alive, crying and screaming and tried to get up. But Anissa pushed her back down. The two girls then kind of half dragged. I guess maybe Bella was trying to walk. Probably trying to get away. Maybe so. They A lot of adrenaline they at got, that point. Yeah, they got her out further into the woods, a lot deeper into the woods. They told her to lay on the ground and said at that point they're going to go and get help for her. Yeah. Which probably Bella didn't buy, but I think she was smart and just complied with what they told her to do. Or at that point, you're a child and you don't understand what's going on. You, it's, someone says that's going to happen and you just you do. You're like, OK, like, thank you. <laughs> I need help. I've been stabbed. So at this point. Morgan and Anissa take off to their on their journey to go find Slenderman. Right. Bella, I guess, after I I think she probably just purposefully did what they said, because after they left and probably when she felt it was safe and it's a miracle she was still alive, she managed to drag herself out of the woods where a bicyclist coming by saw her and got help. Man. Yeah. The police were alerted. Thank fucking God it was 2014. Right. And not like 1992 or some stupid shit when they didn't have cell phones. And it wasn't just one phone call. I've got a girl who's been stabbed here. Here's the route. And the cops are on the way. Five, ten minutes later, you got an ambulance and help. Ambulance and help. And then also an all points bulletin put out for the two girls. Yeah. They were picked up. A few miles away, because they were on foot. Yeah. About five hours later, they're sitting alongside Interstate 94. Police picked them up, and they saw that there was blood on Morgan's clothes, and they put handcuffs on her. They asked her, was she hurt? And she replied, no. They then asked, well, where did the blood come from then? How did you get this on you? And she told them, I was forced to stab my best friend. Oh, I was forced to stab my best friend. Yes. She blamed this on her need to make a sacrifice for Slender Man. Right. And that she said, quote, you start to get something that people call slender sickness from the stigma radiation that he emits. 
so she thought that slender man was giving her this sickness and telling her that she needed to sacrifice her friend essentially right they were going to go to wisconsin's uh, nicolette national forest which was like 200 miles away is that where slender man lives apparently that is where slender man lives it's a 700,000 acre forest but, wow wow but if they got there and went far enough into the forest they were going to find his mansion and like i said before live with him forever happily ever after right. i guess as i said morgan up until this point nobody thought that she had any kind of mental illness but during the court proceedings she was evaluated and diagnosed with uh, early onset schizophrenia wow typically schizophrenia rears its ugly head when you're in your 20s right but some people are diagnosed a lot earlier than oh that. yeah yeah i know someone who was diagnosed i believe when they were 15 yeah i think um my cousin was diagnosed uh, probably sometime in his teens early teens it's sad yeah it is really sad I wish we could terrible figure that disease. one out. It's debilitating. Oh, yeah. Even medicated, it's... Well, medicated isn't really help. It's more like you're just drugged to the point that you can't do anything really to hurt yourself or others. Yeah. It's it's pretty sad the way that it, it just... It's pretty debilitating, the, the medical regimen because there's really nothing you can do to actually treat it you can only just kind of throw drugs at it yeah throw drugs at it and uh sedate them to a point that they're not hurting themselves or other people so yeah. it's pretty sad they're both sentenced to psychiatric hospitals for like decades for some time yeah i know one of them received at least a 27 year sentence yeah so that's and i'm not sure what the other length of time was but it's considerable yeah that's a very brutal crime Mm-hmm. i have another story this one from the delhi psychiatry journal it's the october 2009 edition you know i'm pretty sure i have one that comes out of delhi as well really or it's from somewhere in india I don't know. That's There's a lot of people there. There are. Miss R was a 23-year-old and got bit by a dog. Regardless of the fact that she was cleared for rabies, she felt what she believed to be symptoms from complications from the dog bite. She was very sure there was dog bite poison coursing through her veins. Miss R lived with her parents and her younger brother and sister. She was basically the head of house as she made the most money and was generally the most domineering. A few weeks go by, and the mother, Mrs. R, gets licked by a dog on the foot while she's out. Uh-oh. Naturally, she begins to feel similar symptoms to her daughter, a burning sensation and general discomfort in the affected area. A few days later, both of her younger siblings get licked by dogs while they're out playing, and they flip out, complaining of the same shit as the other two. The last catch dog poison was the father, who got it from a dog merely running into him. Some dog just bumped into him on the street. The family was diagnosed with folie a famille, and Miss R was given antipsychotics to attempt to control the delusion of the dog bite poison, as she was the primary. However, after a month of therapy, she still held on to the delusion. Additionally, she was unable to stay away from her family for more than a week, 
And even when she was not physically there, she kept calling them. So they didn't get better either. So last I saw, this family was still fucking freaking out about dog poison. Dog poison. Okay. You know, I once thought that I got something from a dog, but I went to a doctor and was told it was totally unrelated. And it wasn't even that weird. Okay, so I got pityriasis rosea, which is like just this weird skin rash that doesn't itch or anything you just kind of get like these red raised blotches kind of like hives okay all over your body and it's viral oh weird yeah although like chicken pox that's that's a virus i think i think so too yeah it's like a herpes type thing and so it, but i don't know no... if this is in the herpes family but it's, yeah. it's something it's just a viral and your body just gets this rash for a couple of weeks and then it goes away no discomfort no no itching, no nothing? No itching, oh. no nothing. And it's weird. Right before this showed up, for me, it was primarily all over my chest. Uh-huh. Right before this showed up, I had gone to a friend's house and a, I think I was even wearing a bathing suit or something, maybe. And the dog had jumped up on me and scratched me when it jumped up. Oh. To where, I mean, it wasn't bleeding or anything, but it kind of yeah, broke the skin yeah, a little bit. I know what you're talking about. And then, like, a couple days later, this rash shows up all over my chest. And you're and just, like, just like, what, what the fuck? Dude, get your did, dog checked out. Yeah, did it, like, have some parasite or something oh, gross? Man. So, but yeah, I went to a doctor, and they are like, no, this is something completely different. It didn't have anything to do with it the It was dog. just a weird coincidence. It was just, yeah, exactly. And I, I accepted that. Yeah, well, these people... Because, you know... Doctors know what they're talking about most of the time. Yep. Sometimes they do. Usually they do. Yep. These people did not accept that and could not accept that. And she couldn't stay away. And so, I mean, that's unfortunate. My one out of India also seems to have left off with the family still participating in the delusion. Like, well, sorry, you guys are just fucked because you're not going to do anything. Why don't you tell us about yours? This is what I would refer to as like the real life bug. Did you ever see that movie? Bug. Yeah, it's just called Bug. It has uh, Charlize Theron, I think. And you should probably just look it up because I'm never going to remember his name. I can see him and hear his voice perfectly, but. Ashley Judd, Michael oh, Shannon. Judd. I get the two of them confused. Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, it's Michael Shannon is the guy. Uh, Lynn Collins. About. Let's see. An unhinged war veteran holds up with a lonely woman in a spooky Oklahoma motel room. The line between reality and delusion is blurred as they discover a bug infestation. Yeah, so basically the guy is the one who's crazy, but Ashley Judd's character is pretty fucked up, and they just end up together in this motel room, and I think there's probably some drug use involved. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Just when we started doing this episode, I suddenly it suddenly clicked. I was like, oh, like, this, oh shit. this was a case of fully ado. But, yeah, they are convinced that, like, their body is being invaded by bugs and they start cutting themselves, Ooh, trying to catch man. the bugs. Yeah, that's... It's kind, of, it's kind of like that one X-Files episode with, like, the cockroaches. Obviously, I haven't seen that one. Okay. So There's just... actually two X-Files episodes that kind of explore the mass hysteria folia do. One's the thing with the cockroaches and then one where um, Mulder sees this guy as a monster bug man type, but... It wasn't really fully a do in, in that one because, you know, the guy was really a fucking bug man no. trying, turning people into zombies and Fox Mulder should never be disbelieved. What about, uh, was it 10 Cloverfield Lane being kind of a case of fully a do? I mean, he ended up being right. 
<laughs> but still, that's the one whole where it's time, like you just don't know, and it the it whole really, yeah, the yeah. whole time you it it goes either way. Yeah. So it could have been that, or it could have been actual shit went was going down. That movie was really or creepy. Or it could have been both. I mean, I guess they're not mutually exclusive. Like Nirvana says, just because you're paranoid don't mean they're not after you. That's true. That is 100% true. God, John Goodman and his fucking breathing. Oh, oh man. So creepy. Such a good movie. Really, really good movie. Yeah. And then Bug is in all those lists of really hard movies to watch. Because which of I the get. cutting? Yeah. Yeah. It's up there with like the human centipede and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it's just a pretty disturbing movie. This family also had the delusions that they were infected by bugs and parasites. The medical attention they sought was not from a psychiatrist, but from a dermatologist. The delusion that you're infested with parasites is called Ekbom syndrome or or parasitosis. I imagine that as being something that's fairly common. The mom was the one who had the parasitosis and then the whole family started having that as well as fully a famille. Yes. The first guy to seek medical treatment was the husband. So he goes to the dermatologist and says that for six years he's had terrible itchiness and just open sores on his skin. Right. They covered his arms, his abdomen, and his back primarily. Scabies treatment had worked temporarily, but the symptoms always came back. Okay. So whatever, I guess, medication they use to treat scabies. Yeah, I think it's just some sort of like cream you put on or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Gross. Yeah, scabies are gross. Scabies are gross. Parasites are fucking gross. Fuck yeah, parasites. Any, oh God, like chiggers and stuff like that. Oh, it's man, like any, yeah. Any fucking bug that Ticks? wants to Ugh. burrow into your skin or leave some part of them in your skin yeah. is just, no. that's the absolute worst. It's bad enough when they just fucking bite you. What is it the bot fly? Don't they leave shit in you or something? I believe so, yeah. fuck yeah. that. Fuck all that stuff. That's just, yeah. Not for me. Absolute worst. It's bad enough when they bite you. Yeah. And then just go away or sting you and go away. I'll take that over being having shit yeah. laid in me or uh, fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. Blech. Well, they couldn't find anything actually wrong with him. He wasn't given any kind of like actual diagnosis for his skin condition. The diagnosis of fully um, famil and parasitosis was given after he said that his wife and his two daughters also had a similar skin problem. Right. So he did have open sores and shit. He did have open sores for sure. And so did all of the family members. Because they're scratching all the time, right? Yeah, exactly. And all the skin problems of every family member appear to be the same. Yeah, because they're all consistent with scratching your skin off, I would imagine. Yeah. Exactly. And I can see that because just talking about things that like lice and stuff makes you itch, you know? Oh, yeah. And so that would, and, and you know, I'm not, I don't suffer from any sort of psychosis. Yeah. And just talking about that sort of thing makes me, makes me itch. So to actually have the idea in your head. Yeah. And to believe it because, well, your mom is teeming with parasites. So fuck me too, probably because we, you know, live in the same place. The mom's. Delusion was that persecutors, 
that were known to her, like her relatives and neighbors, had inflicted a worm infestation on her and the other members of the family, which is uh, why they had all these open sores. Right. Wow. The mom was kind of the dominant person in the family. Right, Made right. all the household decisions. Doled yada, out yada, all yada. the yeah. household psychoses. <laughs> exactly. As they all started to share this delusion, they isolated themselves more and more because everybody soon became somebody who was persecuting them. And this is not, I mean, this happens in people that are already isolated. And then once the delusion is there, they isolate themselves even more, which is like a vicious circle. Then it just exacerbates the delusional thinking that much more. And it just continues on and on. Initially, the dad didn't buy into it, but the daughters did. Oh, and yeah. Well, he you know, on board. mom is saying it. So why would your mother lie to you? Exactly. Yeah. And then if suddenly you're seeing, well, my daughters are all fucked up too. like sleep in the same bed as my wife. I live in the same place with these three people that are teeming with parasites. You get a little scratch and. Yeah. Suddenly you're also just up to the eyeballs with worms. I will have feelings of bugs crawling on me a lot. Nice. Especially when I'm really stressed, but I think I'm just sensitive to it because I I shed a lot. My hair sheds a lot. And that's usually what it is, is like some half fallen out hair still kind of clinging to like my other hair in my head. And then it'll, it'll like tickle my arm or my back and it'll just feel exactly like some little bug is crawling on me. All the time. Be like slapping myself and yeah. Sitting in the car if mm-hmm. there's someone with long hair next to me. Uh, and I'll, I, during the summertime, I usually wear tank tops and I'll suddenly like the windows will be down and I'll just feel a bug on me and be like, oh, fuck. And it's not a bug. It's just their hair. Yeah. I'm hypersensitive to any loose threads, too, because that'll do that to me. <laughs> At Wild Waves yesterday, I had a little loose thread from my bikini bottom, like hitting my top thigh. And like three different times, I thought it was like a wasp landing on me. It's fucking flipped but out. But it makes sense because there's wasps all around. Yeah. They flock amusement parks where there's just tons of garbage full of like ice cream and the shit that they eat. Slushies yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah. Not entirely uncommon, I don't think. But I am someone who, like, yeah, any little thing on my skin, I, I assume it's a bug. Yeah. Always first. It's it's a bug. Something's crawling on me. Well, it's best to assume it's a bug first because then when it's not, you're relieved. Yeah, it's like, oh, thank God. Ugh. So despite efforts on both the dermatologist and, I guess, probably the psychiatrist that he or she consulted in this case, yeah. the mother refused treatment 100% would not even hear of it. And the rest of the family also refused wow. treatment as well. You're just like, no. Yeah, just uh, all efforts to convince them that they needed help, like psychological help, and that there wasn't any bugs infesting them. They just fell on deaf ears, apparently. Wow, well. Yeah. Eek. Eek indeed. Man, so as far as we know, they are just... Itching and bleeding and... Right. Wow, that's... That's sad. That is a sad... That's a terrible way to spend your life, feeling that you're being infested by bugs. Yeah. I can only hope that someday when the daughters grow up and get married and move out, that their 
Yeah, maybe as, once there's some separation. They as yeah, as as they spend more time away and their spouses tell them, Hey, wouldn't you believe you maybe don't they have start parasites. magically yeah, maybe they start magically healing. We don't have parasites. Yeah. So I have one last story. One last story. Involving a couple of sisters that did some really crazy shit. Some really crazy and horrific shit. Oh good. This is the tale of Christine and Leia Papin. They were French. They worked as housemaids. They had a pretty fucked up childhood. Their mother was just this abusive piece of shit. Their father had raped, I think, the oldest sister. They had one sister that was older that was sent off to a convent and eventually became a nun. Do you know when this took place? This is turn of the turn of the 20th century. Okay. Pre-World War One. I think they were born pre-World War One. Okay. But this takes place like in the 1930s, I believe, okay. is when the eventual crime takes place. Christine was also sent to that same convent that her oldest sister had been sent to. But when the mom found out that Christine was also planning on becoming a nun, she pulled her out because she wanted Christine, as well as her other daughter, Leia, who was six years younger, she wanted them both out and working so that she could, like, collect their wages. Totally. Yeah. They were women. They probably didn't really have rights. It was like, okay, now that I've sent you away and alle- alleviated myself of any parental responsibility while you're growing up, now that you're old enough, you need to come back out and start making some money and giving it all to me. Yeah. Yeah. They began working as housemaids at the home of Rene Lancelin. He had a wife, Leonie, and a daughter named Genevieve. It seems that at first, Leonie Lancelin had a good relationship with the two sisters. She had kind of helped get them away from their mother when she learned that they were sending all their wages to their mom. She kind of stepped in like, whoa, whoa, and intervened whoa, whoa. and that's told the mom, cool. like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen anymore. Yeah. I'm paying your daughters directly and they're not going to send money to you anymore. She paid them a decent wage. They had a room to sleep in, which they shared together sharing the same room, I guess, for a lot of years. Kind of that isolation we've been talking Pretty tight, about. Pretty tight, yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably was never really as rewarding to talk to other people because they didn't have the exact same frame of reference as you, so it was just more difficult. Yeah, I would imagine. At some point, though, the relationship kind of deteriorated some. Leone began to be kind of, like, not satisfied with the work that they were doing. And there was an incident where she pinched the face of Leia really hard for not getting a scrap of paper that was on the floor when she was sweeping up. Huh. It's like, you missed a spot. Freaking. I'm going to fucking pinch your face. Ow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Leia was very upset about this, as was Christine. And they both spoke about what might happen should the madam decide to hurt one of them again. Not too long after this incident, Leone and her daughter Genevieve were out doing, you know, social stuff. Whatever. Whatever. Stuff that mothers and daughters of wealth did, I guess. At this time, Christine was 27 and Leia was 21. When Leone and Genevieve arrived home, they found the house in total darkness. And this was because... Christine had 
blown the circuit breaker, which probably wasn't great at the time. Probably not. By using an iron, it had shorted everything out. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, this made Leone furious, and she threw a knickknack at Christine's head. Oh. And this is just where everything just went down pretty quick. Christine attacked Leone, and when her daughter tried to intervene, she gouged out Genevieve's eyes with her bare hands. Jesus Christ. Leah joined in, and at Christine's behest, she gouged out Leone's eyes. Wow. The two then left the women laying on the floor, and they gathered a couple of knives and a hammer to finish the job off. Ugh. Brutal. Very brutal. After they had brutally murdered the two, they also pulled up both of their skirts and beat their thighs and bottoms. Madame Leone's eyes were draped around her neck, apparently her oh, eye sockets. God. Yeah. Just, ugh, I can't even with the gouging out of the eyes. That's like the worst. Eyeballs, eyeballs being gouged out or Blade plucked out. Runner. Just when Roy, oh yeah, oh yeah, or uh, or Game of Thrones, like oh yeah, Game yeah, of Thrones, oh, dude. Twenty eight weeks later, I think yeah, it happens in. Yep. I I can't even, I can't watch or look when stuff like that is going on because I, oh, it's just the worst. It's the worst. It's definitely not ideal. When the father Renee Lancelin comes to the house and finds it silent and dark. He actually thinks that Leone and Genevieve have already left to go on to a dinner party that they were all expected to to go to. Yeah, yeah. So when he arrives there, he sees that they are, in fact, not there. So he goes back to the house with his brother-in-law and finds that they are locked out. At this point, he calls the police and they come in and kick things down and when they walk in apparently they see like a single clouded eyeball on the staircase oh god yeah and then investigating into the house further that's where they find the fucking mess because they i think they had dismembered then some dismembering post-mortem too wow now renee said that the only other people that would have been there were the two maids so the police go to their room it's like up in the attic and beat down the door because they think probably they've been murdered too. Instead, they find them huddled up naked together, shivering in fear, just acting like they are just like terrified. Yeah. It becomes pretty obvious, though, that they were the ones who committed the crime. <laughs> they weren't like hiding there because they were afraid of some intruder that had just murdered their employer and her daughter. Man. Yeah. But that's what they were going for. Maybe, or maybe they were truly scared because they were having paranoid delusions. Apparently, they felt that uh, Mrs. Lancelin was evil enough that she had to be destroyed. Yeah. I mean, I get like, oh, yeah, my boss sucks. She totally. pinches me and throws things at me. But, I mean, really, I need to gouge out her eyeballs and her daughter's eyeballs. I mean, that's... And then dismember and dis them. And dismember yeah. them and do all this, like, post-mortem weird shit. I did read one article. I couldn't find it confirmed so i didn't like kind of include it in like the facts here but there was uh one that i read where i guess genevieve was like having her period and they took the menstrual blood and smeared it all over both of them and claimed that they were preparing them for cooking 
Gross. Kind of following the instructions of a cookbook from 1901 on how to like prepare chicken or something like that. Like some, they just took some random recipe and decided like, oh, you know, period blood and human corpses. Like, here we go. Yeah. This would be a great snack for later. Uh, the sisters eventually confessed the crime. They were taken into custody. They were separated, and the separation was really hard on Christine. She was the one who just kept freaking out. Right. And she was the older one, and so eventually she was thought to be, like, the primary person. Yes. The defense strategy for Leia was obviously that the personalities of the two had become so enmeshed that Leia was, like, not her own person anymore. Right. Because of Folia do. Man. Yeah. Pretty fucking brutal. Did it say what happened to him? I think they both just went to prison forever. Yeah. Died in prison, probably. I'm pretty sure. Or were executed. I guess, no, they're women, so they probably weren't executed. No, I don't think they were executed, although I think... Christine eventually like starved herself to death. Yeah. Over not being able to see her sister. Yeah. She would starve herself and demand to see her sister. And then like the one time they allowed it, she was being like all weird with her. And so they separated them again. And then she, I think eventually starved herself to death because they wouldn't let her see her after that. That's which that takes some will to starve yourself to death. Yeah. Seriously. Like, after a couple hours, I'm like, all right, I could use, I could use a bite. Yeah, I mean, my stomach is growling. I'm hangry right now. My stomach's growling. My head's hurting. I can't imagine just keeping that up for days. Days. Yeah. Weeks. Man. Starvation takes a while. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're, you keep as drinking, long as it you takes a long time. Are hydrated. Time. It'll it'll take a, long, a good long time. At least it can take a month. If and probably sometimes longer before you actually die. Boo. And then, of course, if you're given just a teeny bit of food, it can extend for ages, as we've seen, like POW camps. Yeah. Concentration camps. You can live for a pretty long time in it. Almost starved status. Doesn't sound fun, however. No, no. Not a good way to go. Well, I think that is what we got on Folie Adu. Very strange disorder. Very strange disorder. Check out the podcast network. We're a part of ageofradio.org. You can listen to tons of good podcasts. Check out our Instagram, Stranger Than Podcast. You can also find us under that name on Spotify and Facebook. You can also join our private group, The Strange Space, on our Facebook Join us. It's fun. It is fun. Please donate to our Patreon if you are so inclined. Patreon is a website that allows for you to give creators money for creations. Yeah. In our particular case, you will get a bonus episode every month at the $5 level. There's also a $1 and $2 level. Uh, They all, you get stickers. There's some, there's some other benefits check out patreon.com slash stranger than podcast we would like to thank our current patrons you guys are fucking awesome and all you out there who listen to us are fucking awesome we appreciate it we do appreciate it if you would like to contact us and you don't want to go 
through one of the other social media sites we said, you can send us an email, strangerthanpodcast at gmail.com. We'll take suggestions for episodes. We'll, uh, we'd love to hear some stories, ghost stories or alien stories or whatever, some kind of creepy story. It would be dope. Yeah, if you have something that you just want us to look into further, that would be awesome. If you have a suggestion on an episode you want to hear about, we do honor them. We do them, yeah. Buy our shit, tpublic.com slash user slash stranger than podcast. T-shirts, pillows, all manner of things. And with that, we will talk to you next time. And stay strange. <laughs>